Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thanks for joining me for the Smarter Business Moves podcast. If content marketing is part of your growth strategy, head over to my new podcast, Content Marketing School, and visit contentmarketingschoolonline.com for resources. Now let's get on with the show. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Career Moves podcast. My goal is always to inform, educate, and entertain. So hello out there. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're joining us from, either today or on the replay. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Annette Richmond. This is the Smarter Career Moves LinkedIn live show. And I'm so excited to have Russell here as my guest today. Russell, I met you um, through the NRWA, which is kind of an odd place to meet recruiters, but You wear so many different hats. I mean, you're a recruiter, talent strategist, coach, career coach, and you're also a certified resume writer. So um, for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and um, what you do. Yeah, Annette, thank you. And it's a privilege to be here today. Yes, I uh, have the privilege and the honor of leading executive recruiting for Providence uh, Health. Uh, we're the third largest nonprofit health system in the in the U.S., uh, mostly West Coast. So I lead the team that does all the executive recruitment work uh, for that system. Uh, there's 120,000 employees, uh, seven states, and uh, anything that's above a director, essentially, we do that. So I have a great team of uh, 16 people. And uh, we, we are honored to do that great work to bring in the, the leaders that will sustain uh, our organization for the future. My background is primarily talent acquisition, um, mostly in the healthcare space. Been in healthcare for over 20 years now. Uh, done a lot of physician recruiting as well, but have always got pulled back into uh, executive leadership recruiting. I actually started my career uh, as a consultant for a boutique search firm a long, long time ago. Uh, but that, that's a little bit more about my background. Well, well, great. You know, I'm excited to pick your brain, um, you know, from the job seekers. Candidates are always wondering, what are you all thinking? And, you know, based on, I'd like to start with based on what I hear from, um, you know, candidates, the clients that I work with my friends, that they often think that recruiters are there to help them find jobs, you know, that I'm going to work with the recruiter and and the recruiter is going to find me a job. Um, And I was a recruiter for a couple of years myself, and I know that that's not really uh, how it works. But if you can kind of, um, if we could start off by you telling us a little bit about how recruiters work. And um, since you're, you know, a corporate recruiter, if you can talk a little bit about also the relationship between sort of the recruiter and the hiring manager and how that all works. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, recruiters have really good intentions uh, and we focus a lot on, on candidates and their experience, right? Uh, Because it has a big impact on the organization's brand. 
Uh, right. But at the end of the day, I mean, the recruiter as a talent strategist and advisor really needs to understand the needs of the business and that hiring manager. Right. What what is that leader that's hiring for the position looking for? Right. And, and then that is a starting point. Right. And, and basically, if you were to ask any chief executive of an organization as it relates to talent, like what are some of the important things? You know, one, you know, there's you know, they would they would ask questions of us like, what is our three year plan to win through talent? Number one. Number two, how do we build a deep bench of high performing talent? And then thirdly, which is really important for recruiters, you know, what are those differentiating capabilities that we need in people to achieve our organizational strategies? Right. So that drives the recruiter. And from that last point that I made about those differentiating capabilities uh, that an organization needs to achieve the strategy of the business, we develop success models for every position that we're going to fill. So we'll spend time, the recruiters will spend time with the business, the hiring leader to understand their organization and what are those success profiles or models Right. And at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's not just about competencies, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just mm -hmm. about competencies. When I, what I mean by that is like when, when I say competencies, people think of strategic agility, influencing others, building collaboration, customer focus. Those things are really important, but it's extremely vital and imperative that the recruiter translate those things into accomplishments in a success profile, basically, to keep it super simple. I love keeping things very simple, right? And and what does that actually mean when I say success model, uh, right? And it's things such as like looking at those capabilities or competencies, strategic agility, so on and so forth, but translating them into accomplishments. That's mm -hmm. what it is, keep it really simply. So things such as you know, we're looking for a candidate that can hire, that knows how to hire A players and to retain A players, right? Um, we are looking for somebody that can comfortably, comfortably navigate through our organization and bring the best to our customers, right? So we spend a lot of time as recruiters understanding the business, understanding the client's needs, the hiring manager's needs, uh, understanding those competencies, but translating those things into accomplishments. And that's why it's extraordinarily important for a candidate to be able to articulate the value that they can bring to an organization by their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I determined to, you know, get certified through the association, the National Resume Writers Association, because that's a big piece to it. And that is, you know, it's all about, you know, that candidate being able to have their headline, their brand, but more importantly, to speak to the value they can bring to an organization by being able to articulate accomplishments. And there's a number, number of other factors that I'd love to be able to speak to, but accomplishments, it is really important, you know, for a candidate to be able to you know, to discuss and to talk through the value they can bring by talking about their results. Yes, I I do love that you um, that you said that, 
And it is so important. And people often think that, well, I'm the VP of sales and that, you know, and I have a team of 20 reporting to me and I'm running the Northeast region. But what I often tell the people that I work with, um, if I'm a marketing manager and I'm the marketing director at Adidas and I'm competing with the marketing director of Nike for a position, it's the things that we have done that have had the impact on the employer that really um, set us apart. Otherwise, it's just like, you know, and people think that um, that that the the title uh, and the longevity experience kind of is is enough. And it's as you say, it's not. It, it totally agree. Yeah. I, you know, I would say that, you know, some of the other factors that are really, really important in, in addition to, you know, the performance results. Right. Being able to articulate what those things are, because, again, it goes back to that success profile that the recruiters are building out with that hiring manager, right? What are those priorities and deliverables, right? And we're as recruiters looking for those keywords, it's technology that does that automatically. So it's very important to have the right keywords in a resume, but um, you also need to have that articulated well, the accomplishments in, in a resume, but more importantly, so, you know, it's also very important uh, for the candidate to be able to articulate, you know, more about their, their, um, uh, the motivation to do the work, right? That's going to be another area. So in addition to articulating what the accomplishments are, it's not all about the accomplishments, although it's mm -hmm. a very big piece to it, but to understand a little bit more about, you know, what is your motivation? Like, what are, why are you pursuing other opportunities at this juncture? Candidates need to be able to articulate and describe, you know, why they've made a transition from one organization to the next. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to explain that because employers, uh, rightfully so, uh, you know, get concerned uh, about transitions. So, so having well thought out, you know, explanation around every transition that you make, being able to articulate the motivation, I think is really important mm -hmm. in addition mm -hmm. to those accomplishments. I, I think also, you know, you know, being able to explain more, we delve very deeply into culture fit, right? So it's a third lever, right? Culture fit and style are really important, right? And I, I think it's important for candidates to be able to, you know, you need to, 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 to explain and to talk through more about, you know, your leadership style, your style in general, like how do you work with others? Right. So we focus a lot when we're assessing and evaluating candidates on their ability to kind of fit within the culture and to make it real. Annette, for Providence, I'll tell you that, you know, one of the big things that we've looked at, you know, our retention ratio of having leaders and roles is 97 percent staying in a position for at least 18 wow. months, which is amazing. So we and we place 300 leaders each year. We've been doing it. Uh, we've had inside capability for the last eight years, meaning we have had an internal executive recruiting function function for eight years, but 97% placing 300 plus leaders, they've been in the role at least 18 months. Many of them actually get promoted. One big factor that we look at for culture fit uh, is an ability to work with and through people in a consensus driven way 
mm-hmm. influence building relationships with people, like working with and through people, right? So that that's something that candidates need to evaluate for themselves as well, because one organization's culture versus another may not be a fit, right? Mm-hmm. This is not just the employer evaluating the candidate. You know, I would really, you know, encourage candidates to get clear about culture. What does culture fit look like? I gave an example of what it looks like at Providence. Again, building consensus, influencing, cultivating relationships with people. How do, how do the leaders coming into our organization work with and through others to get things done? Because that 3% that a trit, you know, prematurely within 18 months, we have found basically right through exit interviews that they struggle with those things in terms of culture fit and their style mm-hmm. and how they come across, right? Sorry for being long-winded, but no, you know. no, no. I, I, I think that I think that that's so true. And you know, I, I wanted to mention, and I've certainly had that that issue myself when I worked in corporate. Um, my tendency to go into anything is to say, "Oh, okay, I'm here now. How can we make things better? What can we What can we do to change things?" and you know, a couple of companies that I worked for, one in particular, their attitude is was the, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And my personality to come in and change did not mesh with that. And they didn't, you know, I was unhappy with them and they were unhappy with me. And mm-hmm. so if you can, um, when you're talking about this, because I, I think it is so true and um, I, I'd like to, if you could work one more thing into it. Also, the... Um, the worst jobs that I've had were when my gut told me, no, this is not the right fit for you. But I, I wanted to get into the industry. So I took the job and of course it was not a good fit for me. So, so should, you know, candidates trust their gut? How do they understand what the culture is? And are you all doing it on the other side? Like if I'm interviewing with you and I look great and I meet everybody and I think I'm great, but you go, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah, those things are, are real. And, you know, um, you know, the gut instinct, right? And there's something, something there. What is it? I can't really put my finger on it. Um, and candidates need to do the same thing. And, and I would encourage everybody to be aware. I think it's very, very important these days to be aware of our biases, right? An unconscious bias. And we, we've done a lot in the space here at Providence of being able to recruit many, many diverse leaders. Like we now have 65% racially diverse leadership candidate slates, and more than half of those slates are being converted to uh, hires. And I bring that up because unconscious bias, right? Which is something that I think you were just talking about there in that, like, what is that mm-hmm. thing, whatever that may be, that's leading me to to, to maybe not feel right about this opportunity, or if it's an employer making a selection decision as it relates to a candidate, be aware of your biases, right? Because the biases are there. We all have them and understand how that bias may be playing into a decision. One thing that we've done at Providence, right, is to allow people on an interview panel to give feedback on their own we do that electronically. So after candidates interview, we get a, we get feedback from each person individually. Mm-hmm. And then also to come together as a group, 
Now there's a good, there are some good things and bad things about that. You know, the bad thing about that is that, you know, there's group think, mm-hmm. um, but to try to, you know, come together to have the conversations, to see what others have to say, right? If somebody's feeling in their gut, well, there's something there. Let's talk about it. I think that's one thing as an organization that we've been able to do mm-hmm. is to rely on other people to get their perspectives, right? So if you're that individual, you're on an interview panel and you're thinking there's just something there and I can't put my finger on it. Let's talk through it as a group. I think there's power in that. You just need to be aware that group think is something that's real and it can sway decisions, which is why I think it's important to provide individualized feedback. I think for candidates too, you know, if they're feeling the same way, I I think just, I would just encourage them to think through it the same way that I've articulated on the employer side to say, what are my biases? Mm -hmm. What's important to me to come to the interviews uh, prepared with questions, right? To talk through their accomplishments that they have to see what those uh, key performance indicators are. What is the employer looking for? Is there a match or not? Like, what is the culture at this organization? My point is in that I think candidates need to come to the conversations with the very same questions, mm-hmm. right? Sure that there's a really good match for them as well. So the culture fit, what is the employer's motivation? Why are they hiring for the position? Mm-hmm. What do they want the person to accomplish in the role? How does that translate and align to the things that I've done? The other piece to it as well is values alignment. Like what are the company's values? What are my values? Are there, is that a good fit? Because Providence, we do firmly believe that having the right behaviors can drive high performance. So that's what I would say. Sorry for being long-winded about that answer as well. But my point is, I think there's a way to, you know, be aware of your biases, check it against other people. I think candidates can, you know, go to others just to talk through. Hey, I just interviewed for a position. I'm feeling something in my gut. Let me talk through it because, you know, organizations and employers do that as well. Right. With my example with, hey, there's others involved in the interview panel and interview panel uh, participants are having those conversations with others as well, just to validate some assumptions they're making. No, no, I love that. And, you know, I, I will thank, um, you know, we've had people commenting here. Um, Sanki to earlier uh, said that, you know, your, your comments are very insightful and Sarah, who is our friend um, is out there listening and also applauding. And as I'm looking off and I'm watching the broadcast, I see a lot of thumbs up and applause coming for it as you are speaking. So you may feel like you're being long winded, but you are just adding a lot of value to people who are listening and I'm I'm glad that you brought up the the idea of of the diversity and and also the bias. And I know that um, there are are things where, uh, and I I realize that some things are changing, but where maybe a man might be uncomfortable working for a woman, or someone might be uncomfortable working with someone who is younger than they are. I will tell you, one of the best bosses I ever had, who I learned incredibly much from, was like a decade younger than me but so much wiser than me years wiser um, in, you know, in the knowledge, but um, 
And one thing else I, I'd like to ask about, because um, the idea of, of age discrimination, but my question is, um, sometimes people expect it. And if they if they're expecting it, they will, you know, they can see it where it's not there. And that's what some people that that I talk to are like, well, you know, I know. And and it's not. If you can you talk a little bit about like as you were saying, you know, to leave those biases, recognize them, but you know, maybe leave some of those chips on your shoulder behind. Yeah, and it's an important thing to do. I mean, we I've, I've talked to candidates so many times uh, about the fact that, well, I'm a, I'm a female. I'm never really going to advance in an organization. There's pay disparities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on with things. And I can just talk about the great successes that we've had here at Providence where, you know, when I started in the role, we had, I'd say about 38% of our leaders in the organization were female. We're now at 52%. It took a village to get there, but, you know, um, I think all things like that are possible, right? They just are. And we really are looking for people, regardless of your gender, diversity and diversity, we would define it to be very broad, broadly termed. We are very open as an organization because we firmly do believe there's many other organizations like Providence, uh, but we have diversity of thought, diversity uh, in our organization. You define it the way you want to define it, but it makes us a lot better and stronger. I've been here at Providence for 15 years mm-hmm. and being very monochromatic in a way long ago, many white males, um, uh, not having many females, um, you know, age um having having a certain age range right i can just tell you that it's made our organization so much better and stronger and better able to compete in a very competitive landscape and market right now in healthcare Mm -hmm. where there's a war for talent the workforce shortages we have brilliant people here and i look at that like what is differentiating an organization but it's just the diversity. I mean, we're bringing in people from all walks of life, all types of backgrounds. Doesn't matter what the age is. We hire many leaders in the organization that are, you know, you know, they've got five years left in their career. They can bring so much value to the organization. So I would just, you know, encourage people out there, be aware of the biases and the thoughts that you have about, about those things. Like if you're a female, or if you feel like you're, you're, you're at the tail end of your career and no organization is going to hire you, I'll push, I'll push back and say, no, actually, you've got a lot of gas in your tank, a lot of energy, a lot of passion to do the great work. You know, just go back to those things that I've articulated that are really, really important, right, is, you know, understand the culture of the organization, understand what the value equation is in terms of like, what is that organization like for this role in particular, what do they want me to accomplish? Align that with what you've been able to deliver in your results, but align all of those things. I think it's very important to align the culture fit, the motivation, the value you can bring, but I would not allow any of that way of thinking to like hold anybody back to pursuing opportunities if it's 
your age or your gender or gender or anything like that, mm -hmm. just based on the experiences that I've seen here at Providence. Well, I, I thank you for that. And, you know, I do, uh, we do have a question from the audience and, and I would like you to, if you can um, give us a, a, an answer for this and it's from Henry O'Kirye. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not great at pronounce. Uh, name pronunciation. And his question is, is a candidate ever overqualified for a role? But, uh, and Henry, it's a great question. Um, and I would say that, you know, what, you know, you really need to find what does that mean exactly? Uh, you know, when you say overqualified for a role, you, you know, I, I've seen it where, you know, we've we've had, you know, interview teams and panels ask questions, you know, they'll say, well, the person is overqualified. And what we've done here is like, is we're facilitating conversations after candidates interview. Like, what does that actually mean when you say that? When you say they're overqualified and usually most of the time when you push a little bit on that, because, you know, I mean, it can mean a lot of various things. Like, what are you really saying? And so I would encourage uh, candidates, um, if there's a feeling during an interview of, wow, you know, I don't want to be coming across as being overqualified, but really to kind of understand what that really means. So if you're interviewing for a position and the questions that you're getting from the employer kind of lead you to believe that, I think they may think I'm overqualified. Well, leaning in on that, asking some questions like, what does it actually mean to use as an employer? Like, and then leaning in on that to really to kind of clarify to the to the employer, you know, this is why I feel like I'm a good fit for the job, right? I would just go back to those things. Uh that are really important that employers really look for. Again, it goes back to a success profile. Simply put, it is the accomplishments and the deliverables, right? As an example, we hire A players and we keep them as A players, right? Um, that's a deliverable. I would encourage a candidate that is feeling this way, right? Um, being overqualified to push at that, right, to the employer. Employer, hiring manager, what do you want the person to do to be successful in the role? And then let me tell you why I feel like I'm a really good fit for the position based on your expectations in terms of the, the metrics. Why am I a good candidate for the position? Because of my motivation and desire, right, to pursue this opportunity. What are my behaviors, my values, and how does that align to the organization? Why would I be a good fit for the culture, right? So I would push back on that uh, to, to that overqualification piece to go back to those things, right, that employers really should be looking for, you know, the culture fit, the success metrics, the deliverables, the motivation around why I'm pursuing opportunities, those are the things. Do some employers, you know, quote unquote, can they deem people to be overqualified? Sure. But I would push back on some of those things. Would be That's my advice on it. Well, well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And um, Sarah, who who knows my dogs, is just saying, uh, 
hello to uh, Katie and Emma, who I guess are supporting everything you say, and they're they're very wise. So, um, <laughs> so that that should mean a lot to you. Now, so we are getting um, close to our end here, our time together, um, and we've talked about a few different things. And I thank you for your insights. Is there anything that you would like to share that you feel that, you know, I haven't asked you, we haven't discussed that I, that you think would really benefit people to hear? Yeah, I think just in summary, I, at the end of the day, I think um, have your headline, your brand uh, headline, you know, your, your talk track, like within five minutes to, to summarize those things that we talked about and just to, to put to take it home for us, right? Uh, the key takeaways. I think, you know, what are what are those differentiating capabilities about me that make me successful, right? Against what the priorities are that an, that an employer is looking for. Like, what is the value that I can bring? Being able to talk through your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. That's very important. You need to be able to speak to your values as an individual and how does that align with an organization, if it's respect, integrity, compassion, whatever it is, and how does that manifest it in your day-to-day -day work? Because we also look at your culture fit. And for us at Providence, like I mentioned, building relationships, consensus, um, you know, influencing, um, working with and through others to get things done. That's our culture. Being able to speak to those things. You know, how do you work on teams? What are my behaviors that have driven high performance? So having that talk track, your deliverables, being able to speak to it, highlighting that through, during an interview process. And then more importantly, I think being able to articulate that well in a resume. I think that's very important, right? And, um, taken from somebody that has seen really good resumes and how leaders, uh, managers respond to resumes that are done well, like professionally um, versus those that are not. So that's what I would encourage others to do. And then candidates, you know, be ready to ask all those various questions because it's not just about the employer interviewing you, but you need to make sure that you show up to the interviews and the conversations with all of those types of questions that we've talked about today. Well, thank you so much. And that is so important. And the thing that uh, candidates, they're sitting in the, you know, they feel like they're sitting in the hot seat and they don't, and they forget that it's uh, a conversation and that they are interviewing the employer as well. So, um, and and one other thing I wanted to ask, are you open to connecting with people on, on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Reach out to me. I am definitely on LinkedIn. Happy to follow up and answer any questions that we've not been able to answer on our, you know, call today. Well, again, I thank you so much. And I, I hope that you will come back and we can continue this conversation um, so thank you again so much for being here. Thank you to everyone who's been in our audience live and those who will be listening on the replay. So thanks again and have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Annette. It was a, a pleasure. Take care. Have a good day. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Career Moves podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe.